Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of NBA's Unplugged. I'm your host, Fedge McDermott, and let's get into today, Tuesday, September 22nd. Uh, so starting with events, we have uh, three submissions for me to elaborate on. Uh, one is happening tomorrow on the 23rd at 6.30 p.m., and that is the MLFP Happy Hour. So uh, come join the MLFP cohort and get to know different members of the class of 2021. This will be a casual opportunity to get to know second years and their journey in MLFP. Uh, and I believe that is going to be on Remo. Uh, and you can find that on campus groups where you can uh, register and uh, get more information as off for that one. Uh, the next one up is the Team Primetime Kickoff, which is going to be happening on September 23rd as well, so tomorrow at 3.45 p.m. Uh, and that's being done by, obviously, C4C or Challenge for Charity. And join us as we kick off the Team Primetime Marshall Mentors Fall Programming. We'll be playing games with students involved in Team Primetime and pumping up students for uh, the additional fall programming that we have coming up the rest of the semester. Uh, again, you can find all these on campus groups. Uh, and then finally, we have one happening today at 7 p.m., which is the C4C Special Olympics Bingo. Uh, so that, again, will be taking place from 7 to 8. So come join C4C and Special Olympics for a fun night of bingo with the athletes. Uh, give back to the local Special Olympics of Southern Cal while hanging out with your classmates in a casual environment and getting to know the Special Olympics athletes. Athletes are really excited to meet everyone, and they will let their personalities shine even through this virtual environment. So uh, join us and help make someone's day. Uh, so right off the bat, two great opportunities this week to uh, really give back and do some uh Good work for Challenge for Charity, uh, especially as we work to get our hours in for uh, the upcoming year. So going back to just uh, campus groups, we also have a Graduate Real Estate Association alumni panel happening today at 1230. We have a casing workshop going on with the High Tech Association happening at 2 p.m. today. Uh, corporate Finance Roadmap being given by MFA at 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, graduate Marketing Association panel occurring uh, today from 5 to 6 as well. Uh, Marshall Finance Association Mentor Mentee Mixer happening from 5.30 to 7.30. Let's see. Graduate Career Services is doing a networking and informational interviewing panel today from 6.30 to 7.30. Uh, and then also happening today is going to be one of our graduate mixers. So from 4.30 to 6 p.m., uh, we'll be using the Remo service to host a, uh, a graduate mixer where everyone is invited to come along uh, and intermingle with your fellow classmates as well as ones from other uh, Marshall programs outside of the MBA program, I believe. So uh, going on to tomorrow, we'll have Behaviorals 101 with the High Tech Association. Uh, and HLA networking tips and virtual etiquette. So the Healthcare Leadership Association will be holding that at 5 p.m. We have a uh, Graduate Asian Business Society kickoff meeting happening at 5 p.m. on Wednesday. A Marshall Knit Impact presents Intro to Impact Investing. So that will be a workshop happening from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, Marketing 101 Intro to Behavioral Interviews. So that's being done by the GMA from 5.30 to 6.30 a MEGA resume workshop with uh, Peter Campbell being put on from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Wow, there's so many goddamn events. Uh, investment banking coffee chat workshop being put on by Marshall Finance Association from 6.30 to 7.30. An MLFP happy app. Oh, wait, I already did the MLFP happy hour. Skip that. Uh, and then on Thursday, that's it for Wednesday. 
Thank the Lord. And then tomorrow, or on Thursday, we have a Golf 101 session happening from 2.30 to 3.30. So that will be going over the very basics of golf if you're interested in learning more. Uh, we have a Marshall Business Competition Program training to help uh, go over financial modeling for case competitions. And that will be happening from 3.30 to 4.50 on Thursday. We have a GMA Alumni Speaker Series bringing in uh, Erica Rozinski. Uh, the GMA president from the class of 2018. That'll be occurring uh, from 4 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Then we have Marshall Finance Association again with an investment management alumni panel from 5 to 6. Then we have a Jams High Holidays celebration, which is, of course, the, uh, the Jewish Association of Marshall Students. So that will be happening from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Then after that, we have the Ramba Conference prep session with Career Services, and that is being put on by Marshall Pride. Uh, so Ramba Conference is a diversity recruiting event that is specifically catered for LGBTQ plus identifying uh, MBA candidates. And that conference will be happening from October 2nd to 3rd and 8th to 10th. But obviously this is more of a prep session for, for that conference. Then after that, we have, what's next? We have the HTA Welcome Back Party and Mixer. So the High Tech Association will be hosting a mixer from 5.30 to 6.30. We'll have the Operations Management Club hosting a Recruiting Like a Pro Ops Alumni panel from 6.30 to 7.20. And then starting at 7 o'clock on Thursday, we'll be having another edition of the Marshall Trivia League. So that will be being put on by uh, the Marshall Graduate Student Association, where we did last week or two weeks ago. Uh, which had a really fun turnout with some good prizes, good questions, and overall was a, a really great atmosphere. So I encourage you guys to all uh, come out for that if you have the, have the availability from 7 to 9 on Thursday. Uh, then finally, for Friday, we have a Super Friday series, so YIB, CF, or IM. So this is just a Mar Marshall Finance Association uh, Friday series happening from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., we have the Marshall Energy Club and Marshall Mobility and Automotive Club hosting a second year MBA career panel from 2 to 3 p.m. And then finally, finally, we have an entertainment marketing trends happening from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Uh, being co-hosted by the Business and Entertainment as well as the Graduate Marketing Association. Okay, so very, very busy week of events. Uh, that was a lot to chew through. So. Uh, Make sure to go on the campus groups to get a real, uh, a better view of what all these events are uh, and make sure you register ahead of time for anything that you're interested in. Uh, and so with that, we will now skip over to the guest portion of today's show, which will be a conversation with another student from the class of 2022, uh, Max Skelly. So with that, I will now switch you over to that part of the show. And now moving on to the guest portion of today's show, I'm joined by another member of the class of 2022, uh, Max Skelly. How are you doing today, Max? Doing well, Jeff. How's it going? Doing, doing amazing. All right. Well, what core are you in again, Max? Core A. Core A. Core A. Awesome. Was Rachel Core A too? I'm not. I. Yeah, Rachel is Core A, I believe. Yeah. So Core A. Yeah, is it's been weird trying to figure out the uh, the core thing when you're not seeing the same. You're seeing them through Zoom, and it's it's a little yeah. bit harder. Yeah. You only know them by like the small little square that pops up on your screen, as opposed to walking past them every day. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and it looks like you are coming in from or moving to LA from South Jersey. So I'm obviously yeah. intrigued by that as a native Jersey myself. So <laughs> yeah. Now what, what part of Jersey are you from? Are so, you North or South? I classified myself as central. 
So oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> Get out of here, dude. <laughs> it exists. I I am a stout centralist. <laughs> oh my god. So what are you what are you up in Monmouth County, right? Yeah, it's Monmouth County, so right around like Asbury Park, Red Bank. Mm-hmm. Like Red Bank yeah. Town High School. Cool, cool. Yeah, I actually, so we'll, we'll get there when I talk about Domino's, but I spent a lot of time in Red Bank. Um, the Domino's there is, has, has some opportunities. <laughs> Are you talking about the one like right next to the liquor store? And the- yeah, yeah. It was a, such a pain to park there. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I, got a, I got a parking ticket one time parking there. but uh, <laughs> It has gotten no better in recent years, I'll say that much. Uh, <laughs> so actually, yeah, so let's just segue into that then. But actually, before we do that, we want to do our little introduction game here. And so of the games yeah. you picked, uh, unfortunately, it's called Florida Man Birthday, not New Jersey and Birthday, but I think that's a a reputation I'm I'm glad we don't have. But you picked Florida Man birthday, which means we're going to search your birthday along with the phrase Florida Man and take turns seeing what really comes up for you. So with that, what is your birthday, Max? So October 9th. October 9th. So you're coming up pretty soon. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we have midterms the week after, so it's not like I'll have much of a celebration. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Let's see. I'll, do you have anything? I'll, I can let you go first. Yeah, the first one I have is Florida man entices gator to bite him and then pours a beer down his throat. I wonder what – yeah, it, did he want him to drink the beer? <laughs> I don't know. My question is, so it says he entices him to bite him, but did the gator, like, bite him and then they, like, pried the gator off? And then poured the beer down his throat. Like, what were the logistics of that? Like, how did that? Like, how did that I was thinking go? like he had he had the the teeth around his arm, but then there's like a little gap in like the side of the mouth that you can kind of somehow pour beer in through. I mean, yeah. the pain threshold must be pretty high, or he must have been on something else to just be chill with that. <laughs> yeah, that's. Well, I'm not gonna wild. read too much in there. Uh, a Florida man is arrested for trying to get a caiman drunk. That's probably the same thing. I think a caiman is like a, a different kind of uh, alligator. I, I got another one. We got yeah, okay. Florida man arrested after doing burnouts in front of news crews during a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on there. So you have this news crew that's, I guess, just like out checking out a hurricane. And does this guy just start like driving in circles around it? Like, <laughs> like, he's, he's just jumped. Oh, you probably didn't think there were radiating police in the way because they they were probably all busy doing evacuations and stuff. But of course, <laughs> apparently they weren't too busy to get his ass. Let's see. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, Florida man pulls a machete out on a woman who refused to date him. Oof. Oof. Yeah, that's that a, is big. The rough one. Wait, wait. This this one's kind of funny. A Florida man was shot outside of a bar after rejecting a shot inside a bar. (laughs) A man who rejected a free shot at a bar was instead shot outside. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) I, you know what? You know what I want to do really quick? I'm going to Google Florida woman because something tells me there might be a good one there too. Oh, here we go. A Florida woman glued her eyes shut after mistaking super glue for eye drops. (laughs) That was a really good hunch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I think that's the worst one. Yeah, that's a rough one. one. Let's see. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think I'm I'm burned out. The I'm kind of digging into the once you get to like the third or fourth page of Google, you're kind of like scraping the bottom there. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at too. Yeah, unfortunately, Florida woman can only go so far. <laughs> All right, I think I think that's enough of that. Then yeah, I think the other ones are just different dates and stuff. So they're just fooling a nine for somewhere else. All right, so that was that was entertaining to say the least. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like the uh, the super glue one the most though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now moving back, uh, now we want to get to learn a little bit more about you, Max, and about like. Uh, how you grew up, where you came from, pretty much anything that you want to indulge us on uh, and take us on your path to what ultimately led you to pursue an MBA here at Marshall. Yeah, so uh, originally from South Jersey. So I grew up about a half an hour outside of Atlantic City uh, and kind of right between Atlantic City and Philadelphia. Or yeah, so yep. like halfway between, it's, it was half an hour either way. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm a South Jersey person, kind of born and raised. Um, you know, one of the cool things about growing up there is my dad actually owns a traveling carnival that would travel from place to place. Uh, and so I spent a lot of time in, in like the Philly area, like the greater Philly area huh. and, uh, and Delaware as well. Um, and yeah, we would, you know, go from church to church for a week at a time and set up the carnival and, you know, we had a carousel and games and all that, that fun stuff. I feel like I know exactly what kind of carnival you're talking about. There's you one. actually probably do because there's one that goes to Manasquan, the Fireman's Festival. You ever been that? I've been to the Strawberry Fair in okay. town, but then there's also one I feel like in Lincroft that like pops up all the time. Then there's a Fireman's Fair in like Fairhaven mm -hmm. area. So there's a good amount. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't do those. Um, that might be a different show. But my dad does the Manasquan Fireman's Festival, which is oh, uh, it's right up by you. I think we know um, the one. Yep. Yeah. And so that was us every year. Um, and then we do like, there was like the Middlesex County fair and mm -hmm. most of our stuff was in, uh, was in PA though. Um, okay. But it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I grew up like selling funnel cake and cotton candy and that kind of stuff. So you, you were, you were staffed at a young age at the uh, old carnivals. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, we started, I, I think I started selling cotton candy when I was like 12 or 13. Um, you know, it would be a couple nights a week to kind of have pocket money. And then in the summers, it was, uh, it was pretty much a full-time job as a, as a 13 year old kid. Uh, say, yeah, most of those carnivals are going on during the summer. So what's like with the off season like? Yeah. So the off season, my, my dad spends a lot of time, um, kind of doing any cosmetic repairs that he wants to do, uh, as well as, uh, you know, taking on any big projects. So like, uh, I know a couple of years ago, he kind of redesigned the entire backdrop for a, a ride. And that involved, he, he doesn't paint them anymore. He kind of lays a graphic on it. And so it involves a lot of time designing the graphic and then printing it and applying it. Um, he, so lately we've been doing this thing at, at, in Penn's Landing in Philadelphia. And he had to basically build like a, a, a new cotton candy stand. And so we bought like an old used one and then kind of renovated it and redesigned everything. Uh, so that, that's kind of what he does in the winter. Um, but with that uh, Penn's Landing thing, they also have Winterfest, which is like an ice skating rink and you can go and get like, you know, apple cider and, uh, and then like the hot foods that we sell. Mm -hmm. um, and so he's been doing that now in the winters as well. That's a nice way to break it up too. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Okay. Pretty uh, cool. And so we'll, we'll take us a little bit past uh, the carnival age. When did you stop working at the carnival then? 
Yeah. So I worked there my last summer before college and have kind of never looked back. Um, <laughs> and, and it's kind of sad, right? Like I've been there a couple of times, uh, but I haven't worked since the summer before high school. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or the summer after high school, I apologize. And so okay. I went to went to Princeton, um, was lucky enough to get in there. And w- once I got there, it was internships all the time, right? Like everybody was expected to have an internship every summer. Um, and so I, I spent uh, my first summer doing a, a pretty cool internship with a, a farm worker advocacy group um, in South Jersey. So I was home. I just didn't have time to work. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, I was just never home anymore. Awesome. Um, and so what, what were some of the other roles that you had in Princeton then? What was three years look like after freshman year, I guess? Yeah. So I, there was one summer that I worked, um, one summer that I just worked at the student center. Um, so I was on a, a football team there. Um, I wasn't on, so we had two football teams there. We had the lightweight team, which is the team that I was on. And uh, it's actually called sprint football. Uh, and you, you had to weigh in under, it was 172 pounds when I was there. And so uh, I used to be a, a little bit smaller of a guy. And, <laughs> and now it's, it's 178 pounds, I believe is the weight limit. Um, but you had to weigh in twice a week, like you were a wrestler. And it was, you know, full pads, full contact football. And then we had the normal football team. Um, so we, we referred to them as the heavies. Uh, and, and we were just kind of like the, the sprint team. Um, so I did that. I was a captain for that team. Uh, and that was pretty cool. And I, I just worked in the student center. I, I really wasn't involved in my undergrad a lot. Um, I, you know, I was, I, I felt very much like a, a, a little fish in a very, very big pond. Um, you know, I, I went to a school where most people went to the local community college. Uh, it was very rare for anybody to go out of state. I remember my guidance counselor telling me, yeah, you should really look at this community college because you'll, you know, it, it'll be like a, a, you'll get a great scholarship or something. Mm-hmm. And so, I remember thinking, oh yeah, I was so smart. And then I went to Princeton and was just blown away. And, and ever since then, kind of my world has expanded and every, everywhere I've gone, I've just met such smart, amazing, brilliant people. Uh, and that, that's kind of what it was like at Princeton. You know, it, you, the first year or so was definitely kind of like a, wow, you have to kind of learn your place in, in the, the hierarchy, but it was, it was awesome. I, that was such a cool school to go to. And I felt super privileged um, to be basically you know, my, my mom was a nurse and so she had, had an associate's degree, but no, nobody in my family had ever gone to a four-year college. And so we had no idea what I was getting into and wow, <laughs> kind of an unreal. So you're the first person to go to a full four-year institution and you happen to get into Princeton. Yeah, it was kind of a, a weird fluke. Well, because I feel like it's yeah. a bit harder too, because I know like they, they definitely want to get that global poll as well. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, you know, it's the thing is like South Jersey is just very different from North Jersey. Like a lot of the schools in North Jersey are just so much better. Um, and so my high school was kind of like rinky dink. I think the last person we had sent to an Ivy league institution was like four or five years before. And then I, I, I had a, an, a teacher who an English teacher, Mr. Grotman, who had gone there and his class, he structured it based on his curriculum that he took as an English major at, at Princeton. And, it was it was crazy and he he told me to apply and wrote a, a phenomenal recommendation letter and like I said I was lucky enough to get in um I feel like for a lot of those schools it's just luck of the draw and and you know fate smiled upon me I guess <laughs> sometimes the stars just align just the way you need them to yeah yeah uh so what happened after you like finally graduated from Princeton yeah so I, I ended up at uh, Domino's Pizza in a leadership development program um 
And they kind of suck. You know, I, I remember the interview process thinking, you know, oh, it's just Domino's. Like, who wants to work <laughs> there, right? Like, yeah, what am I going to be delivering pizzas? Spoiler alert, I did end up delivering a lot of pizzas. Seriously? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have some great stories, too. Uh, and so I remember sitting in an interview, and they had us interview with the CEO. Like, that was your final stop. Um, and so I interviewed with Patrick Doyle, and I remember asking him, and, and this is probably really gutsy as uh, somebody looking for a job here. Um, I said, you know, if I were your son, what advice would you give me in, like, w would you tell your son to work for this program, like go to this program? And I, I, and I was like, yeah, took some real guts to ask that. And uh, I remember him saying to me, you know, this is the kind of program where you, you shouldn't be worried about what you're getting paid yet. Um, you should be really worried about building a really strong skill set. Uh, and this program, I think, is second to none in terms of the skill set you'll get. And I thought like, yeah, yeah, of course he's going to tell me that. He, like, this is kind of like the fluff interview to get, to just convince you to come work for them. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think they were kidding. Um, so my, my, it was a, a pretty intense three to four year program. Um, and I spent about three months as an assistant manager of a store down in Houston, Texas. And, uh, you know, my first Sunday, I was robbed at gunpoint on a Sunday morning. Uh, and I, and I just thought to myself like, oh no. <laughs> Like my parents are going to kill me for getting killed in Houston, Texas. <laughs> and uh, I remember calling my supervisor, who was another person in this program. And she thought I was playing a joke because it was like rated one of the safest cities in, in Houston or in, in the country or something. Uh -huh. And yeah, just happened to get like robbed at gunpoint. Uh, the story is pretty funny. Um, you know, the guy walked in, like robbed us. I'm just making pizza because you can't run away because they'll freak out and like, you know, you might, they might shoot you or something. Yeah. So you just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I offered him a pizza as he was walking out. He took it. Um, <laughs> and he walked out of this, like in front of this old lady and the cops asked this old lady, you know, what did she see? And she just with shock in her eyes said, there was a robbery here. When? And it like the guy pulled out the gun in front of her. It was, it was crazy. Um, wow. so yeah, so three months as an assistant manager was robbed at gunpoint freaking awesome. Uh, and then I spent about six months as a general manager running, running one unit. I was also robbed at gunpoint during that time too. Um, so I was robbed at gunpoint twice in my first year at this company. And I was really questioning the advice that Patrick Doyle. What is the me. statistics for Domino's with? <laughs> so people don't realize being a pizza delivery driver is actually one of the most dangerous jobs in the, in the country. I can um, understand delivery, but like yeah. who goes into the Domino's? Well, <laughs> so the second time I was on a delivery because uh, we were like super short staffed and I was like, just my assistant manager was running the store. I was just trying to take pizzas and, uh, and I pulled into a parking lot and somebody flashed a gun at me and I rolled down the window and just asked, did anybody order a pizza and just handed him the pizza and drove away. Um, it was kind of like very fortunate that he didn't like take my car or something, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. So after that, um, they sent me up to New York where I was a, a district manager in the Bronx and, uh, and then later in Queens and I had five stores in the Bronx. I was managing about 250 people. Um, and it was, that was, a. a a nightmare of a role. I would never recommend to anybody to be a district manager of a, of a fast food chain, but uh, I learned a ton. You know, I, ha I had to teach people how to read financial statements. I had to make decisions on the strategic use of capital. I had to train people how to be nice to customers and I had to resolve customer complaints. And it, it was honestly incredible. Um, you know, I, I got it. I, I don't, I don't know how many people our age have the chance to you know, hire and train and, and at, at times even choose to fire people. And I think that's a, a really intense decision and it forces you to grow up and really think through a, a lot of 
the things that are important. And, you know, it was, it was an awesome program. I, I learned an absolute ton. Uh, and that, that was kind of the culmination of the leadership development program. And then after that, I was a consultant, consultant uh, with 18 franchisees, and I covered about 90 locations in North Jersey. Uh, and so, yeah, so we, we worked with them. My job was essentially to, I was, I was kind of part consultant and part police officer. Um, so I had to help them solve profitability issues in their business and, you know, help them uh, comply with the brand standards. But I was also the guy who said, hey, you're out of compliance with the brand standard uh, and we have to issue some sort of legal um, default, you know, like you're in default of your, your franchise contract, yeah. uh, which was really cool. Um, and again, it's, it's another one of those like roles that really forces you to grow up when you are a 25, 26 year old kid. Uh, kid still in my mind, giving <laughs> advice to people who've been, you know, in the pizza business for 30, 35 years. Um, you know, most of our franchisees had started in, in, the, in the 80s and they were delivery drivers. And so they, you know, it, it was kind of one of those things where they were learning as they went and, but they, they have so much experiential knowledge and it was just incredible. Like the people that I worked with were just phenomenal people. Uh, and I, and I, I enjoyed getting to know all of them so much. That really seems like uh, just an escalating trial by fire where <laughs> each year just felt yeah. like, all right, the, the, the coal seemed to have cooled off. Let's just throw you into this other like burning situation. But yeah, you're right. I, I don't think a lot of people have had the same experiences you had in terms of both being in a hiring position as well as the unfortunate firing position. I know I haven't. And I mean, I came from the consulting industry, but there was never a point where uh, I was actually directly responsible for uh, someone retaining their employment or not so yeah and and that that's a I mean it's a it's a hard decision and um you know I've had times where people I, I always tried to make it a situation where they knew it was coming and had plenty of opportunities to fix it as well as you know like I I, I also was somebody I, I hated to me when I terminated somebody it felt like I was giving up on them and you know I, I remember one time I promoted somebody who I was kind of pressured into promoting her uh, she was, she was a, a, a kind of a great assistant manager, not necessarily the greatest general manager. And, you know, I, I feel like I let her down because I felt like I had promoted her too early. And then yep. I tried and tried to try to help her. But unfortunately I just had made the wrong decision by promoting her and, and letting her go and demoting her back down was, was really hard. Uh, you know, I, she was young. This was kind of one of her first jobs and she was really ambitious and wanted to do well, but it, yeah. it's one of those things where it's just unfortunate, you know? I, I can get how like maybe waiting a little longer would have been the right move, but I mean, it almost feels worse to have like gone up and then back down in hindsight. So yeah. Um, so after all that like leadership experience, like what made you think you needed uh, more on the educational side? Yeah. So that's kind of ties back into to school. So I was a government major in undergrad. Okay. Um, and I had originally thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, and throughout school, I kind of realized that I was not a fan of, of legal reading and, and the kind of arguing a, a very minute point. And like this word choice meant actually changed the whole meaning of the sentence because X, Y, and Z yep. was not a fan of that. Uh, you know, and then with my dad's business experience, I kind of thought, hey, like I would be really interested in this. And so I did it. Uh, and unfortunately, I never got certain skills like I as much as I had to think through things in an accounting perspective um, I never got very good finance skills I never got very strong data analytics skills and so for me it was kind of a natural after I'd finished the program 
Um, and I was getting married at the time. And so it was kind of a natural conclusion to go to business school and, and, and kind of build out that skill set that Patrick Doyle had told me to build out yeah. um, and really kind of hone my skills there. And I figured the best way to do it would be to come to school. So the program like ended and then you left? Or? So the program ended uh, a little bit earlier than it was supposed to. So it was supposed to be five years and there was a restructuring and they kind of changed how the program functioned. And the, the new kind of goalpost for graduating the program was uh, becoming a consultant. So I had kind of been that already for a few months and then they gotcha. said, you completed this. And, um, you know, at the time my, my now wife was finishing up at law school in New York and she was kind of thinking that she wanted to go back to LA. Um, and because I was born and raised on the East coast, I had no network out here. Yeah. Uh, and so between wanting to get a network and then also wanting to build the skill set, it was kind of the right time. Okay. So even if you graduate the program, like, uh, were you supposed to stay with Domino's and just decide to part ways? So most, it was kind of very 50, 50. So most people had left by the time we even completed the program. So I, when I started, I had eight, eight co uh, colleagues who were in my, my cohort. Yep. By the time we completed the program, there were three of us left. Um, so people, it had a pretty high attrition rate, yep. uh, but there were people who once they made it through the program tended to, to move on to pretty cool roles within the company. Um, so I think there's two people who became franchisees out of, out of that program. Um, and then there was somebody who had recently been promoted to vice president. Um, so basically like two steps below the CEO. Okay. Um, there was somebody who, uh, there were a bunch of people in director positions where they were either running a corporate market or they were kind of overseeing an entire franchise region, uh, you know, people internationally. Um, so they, they had a lot of cool opportunities and some people chose to stay and some people didn't. Um, but it was a lot of moving around. So I moved like five times in, in four years and, yeah. uh, and I was on the low end of the average for my classmates, um, yeah. which is just crazy to think about. And so I think some people end up just naturally getting tired of the moving around. Some people, uh, you know, really are happy to call Michigan home. And, and that's where they're, they're based is Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. And so, you know, people who were from Michigan felt really good about going back to Michigan yeah. um, versus, you know, for me and my wife, it wouldn't have made sense to kind of split the difference between our families, right? Where you both have no connections. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I can, I can attest to the burnout. Like, I mean, I came from Deloitte Consulting and I know, uh, plenty of people who left over the course of my time there just because of just they sick of uh, packing up and moving every so often. Um, so I imagine that helped the attrition rate as well as, I mean, the robberies probably didn't help the attrition rate either. So, yeah. Although I stuck around for a while like, that wasn't that. But I assume it might've deterred someone for, else. Yeah. For, for a lot of people, uh, it was one of those things where it's like a story that's terrible in the moment. But afterwards, you kind of just laugh at the ridiculousness of life. Yeah. And that, that's what it is for me. I just try and like laugh about it, have a good time. I mean, there's, that's all you can do, right? Like I'm okay, I'm safe. Might as well just laugh about how ridiculous it was. It is pretty ridiculous. So I'm glad you're laughing about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you sort of made the decision to come out with your wife back to the West Coast. Was LA always like the prime target or was just anywhere on the West Coast? Was yeah, so her family, she grew up here. Um, so she's originally from, I guess, PV. And then uh, her parents live in the Palisades now. Um, and so she, LA was always home for her. She kind of knew that she wanted to be closer to her family. 
And so it just made sense um, for us to kind of, my, my family, my parents are both split up and so they're in different places. So mm-hmm. it just kind of made sense to, to come out here and, and kind of be closer to her family. Um, you know, hopefully if my parents listen to this episode, they don't get upset about that. <laughs> but uh, no, we, we kind of knew that LA was, uh, was a target. Um, it was either going to be LA or New York. And when it came time for her to recruit uh, for a law firm, she ended up getting a, a, a great kind of opportunity with a firm out here uh, and, is, and is looking forward to, to ending up there. So were you sort of uh, applying to schools alongside with her recruiting or was it sort of waiting to find out where she so was? We waited. So we waited until we found out that it was L.A. And so that kind of tailored my MBA search. So I knew I only applied to two schools. I applied to USC and UCLA. Uh, and I, I didn't, I didn't have much experience of applying for a master's degree. Um, you know, I, again, first in the family to go to a four-year college, let alone a master's degree. So I was flying oh, yeah. the seat <laughs> of my pants a little bit. And so like I had other schools in the vicinity, like I know that Pepperdine has a business school. I knew that like UC Irvine has a business school and not that they're ranked or anything. Um, but it was, it was one of those things where I was just wanted to, you know, kind of cover my bases. Uh, but the two main schools that I applied to and actually finished the application were USC and UCLA. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, and so in, I guess, looking at both those schools, what stuck out a little bit more to land you here at USC as opposed to uh, our, our fun friends across the way? Yeah, the Trojan family. Um, and I, I, you know, I, people say that. Uh, and I, I, even in the few short weeks that I've been here, I've been blown away at how kind of involved the alumni are um, just hearing from the consulting club that alumni practitioners come back just to train uh, for a super Sunday and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Um, you know, it, it, it reminds me of how the alumni network was with Princeton, um, but magnified by tens of thousands. Um, and to me that that's awesome. And, and because I was looking for a, a network out here, you know, it, it, it made sense that to me, one of the biggest advantages was, was the strong network in Southern California. Yeah. And pretty much anyone you find around like on LinkedIn that has like that USC background, it's more often than not, they are a very fair game and very open to sort of like reaching out for like informationals or any sort of like side chats too. So uh, it's, it's really proven to be uh, more than just a phrase that we throw around here. <laughs> Yeah. And that, and it's been an unreal. Like I said, the first few weeks, it's, I've already seen it. Um, and it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think we're, I think, I mean, I kind of already went ahead there. So I think we're already kind of at the point where we're going to be talking a little bit more about Marshall specifically here. Uh, so before we do that, we want to break up to our second segment of the day, which is the, you pick the, will you press the button? So uh, you'll have to deal with me because some of these, I think I mentioned this on Rachel's, but some of these are, like look like they're written by like a toddler. Uh, I might might skip a few. I have to read them out first. Um, I mean, here's one. Uh, You become physically healthy as possible and will live for 120 years or 120 plus years. So you're physically healthy. You're going to have a really long life, but you'll have the appearance of being morbidly obese for the rest of your life. I would not push that button. Not push the button. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, you're on the right side of that one. So 72% <laughs> of uh, people agree with you that it wasn't it really wasn't worth living that long. <laughs> let's see. Oof. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Skip that one. 
do do. Hmm. I don't know about this one. I feel like this one's an easy one to just your decision on, but you become immortal and can travel through time, but you can only go forward. I, I, oh, that's a, that, I actually think it's a little bit tougher. I, I actually don't think I'd take that. I, I would, I would not take that. Yeah. I don't know and if I, I would take it either. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know what? Like, I you feel don't like have to I, use it, I guess, but at the same time, you're immortal, so you already have that going for you. Yeah, which is cool, but I think I feel like I've seen a movie somewhere where somebody was immortal, and they talked about how the worst part is everybody you wa- is watching everybody you love die, yeah, and then you start to love new people, and then they die. I just yeah, that's terrible. Cycle, yeah. <laughs> this one's just kind of funny. Um, this is clearly written by, I guess, a, a teenager, but uh, you you will never get any pimples, uh, but your feet smell like dead fish. <laughs> Considering I've successfully made it through puberty, I think yeah. I will take the pimples. <laughs> dead fish feet are just terrible. I'm like, how many more do I have left of me at this point? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we'll let me just find one more. Stupid. No. That was too long. <laughs> so I, I can tell it's like one of these. This one I'm not gonna do, it, but you meet Santa Claus, but no one believes you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would low-key take that. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one's going to believe you anyway if you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Damn, okay. God damn it. This one sounds like an easy one, too. Um, you'll be able to enjoy life to its fullest, but you have to leave pretty much any form of social media forever. Oh, heck yeah. I hate social media. It's one of those <laughs> things where it's, I, I can see the benefits of certain things, but um, the pandemic I think has really escalated how I feel about social media. I feel like people got very comfortable using it more as a journal than a f- place to share funny cat videos or something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's really exacerbated a lot of issues. I think people have been like sharing this whole thing called like things on Netflix, like the social, social dilemma. I haven't watched it yet, but I think it dives into yeah, a lot I'll have to of check that out. A lot of those issues too. I know my mom watched it. And also the next thing I see is she's like posting on Facebook, how she's getting off Facebook. And I'm like, that you just defeated the point there. Like, nobody, like that. <laughs> You not see the irony there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that was good. Um, so now getting back to more of our martial specific questions we have for you. This first one, you kind of, I guess, already somewhat answered, but if there's any other elements here, uh, what made USC Marshall stand out to you when compared to the other top business schools that we had offering? Yeah. So, I mean, I mentioned the network, but I think another thing is the employment report really stood out to me. So um, I, I kind of missed the boat on consulting the first go around after undergrad uh, and then ended up in a position where I was a consultant and actually really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I traveled a lot and I, I enjoyed that as well. 
And so for me, the fact that, you know, 30% of our class is going to end up in consulting, that's what it seems like the metric is. Um, seems like, you know, USC does a lot to prepare people to end up in consulting. And, and so uh, knowing that that was a, a very likely outcome and knowing that that was my target in industry, uh, that really stood out to me. I think it was even higher than, you know, UCLA's. So it just, I was all about it. Yeah, it's definitely, I know the club's very rigorous in terms of, and very structured in terms of the events that they have and like how like involved everyone is with like making sure that they do as much as possible to case all of you guys as you come in and sort of imparting all that knowledge. And like you mentioned, bringing alumni in to help out with all that kind of stuff too is also yeah. a huge, huge benefit for you guys. Um, I guess that kind of means that you're part of the consulting club already. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And yeah, definitely part of the consulting club. Um, yeah. It, I've, I've been going to everything. It's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, even though I know that it's a very likely outcome to end up there, there's a lot of hard work that goes into making sure that you're, you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, what sort of clubs are you looking forward to getting involved with now that you're beyond term one allowed to really like, uh, use your spare time uh, to to get involved at other things besides classwork. Yeah. So I, like I said, my main goal was to improve my data analytics skill set. Right. That was a big tool belt thing that I wanted to add. Yep. And so I, I, I want to be involved in MDAC, uh, maybe not as an officer position. Um, actually, I didn't apply for an officer position, but <laughs> I, I more just want to get the experience of of learning how to analyze data in a better way. Um, and so MDAC, I'm a member of that. Uh, I'm also hoping to join the Marshall Leadership Fellows Program. Um, I think that's a super cool uh, kind of program uh, that's pretty unique amongst business schools. And, um, you know, I, I really valued the lessons that I've had in leadership. And I know that as a leader, you, we're always evolving and you always have to be learning and growing. Uh, and to me, you can never have enough leadership training and leadership development. Uh, and so I, I see that as a really cool opportunity. Um, and then mentoring people is, is really a passion of mine. And so the idea of mentoring a first year kind of next year is pretty cool. Mentoring the first years. Yeah. I feel like uh, you have a lot of experience where being part of MLFP will put you in a position where you can really help like uh, educate and share like what your experiences have been as well as learning what others have been as well, since we're all coming from some different backgrounds and different sort of leadership experiences there. Yeah. So I'll cross my fingers and, you know, hope that that, that application process goes well. And then, uh, the last club that I'm kind of a part of is the partners club. Um, so, you know, my wife hasn't been on the West coast in almost 10 years. And so we wanted to kind of get to know people uh, and, and have a way to kind of bring her into the, the USC fold a little bit as well. So have there been any like a uh, partners club events yet? So there's one tonight actually. And unfortunately my wife is studying for the bar exam. Oh, uh, and that's, that's in two weeks and it's crunch time now. So I, I, I don't think we'll be logging onto that one, but from here on out, I think we'll be attending it as many as we can. Best of luck to her on the bar. I, yeah. I, I envy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would rather take, I would rather go through the, like term one. Again. Yeah. <laughs> take the bar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely not on the same uh, level right there. Uh, and then finally, this one, will, this one will be more of like a discussional question. So I'm really curious to see what your thoughts are is uh, what sort of challenges have you experienced uh, with like starting up this MBA through a virtual environment? I think the biggest one, and this is one that we all knew was going to happen is it's very difficult to connect with, to connect with everybody. 
What I didn't imagine is how hard it would be to connect with people outside of your core team, but within your own core. So the fact that I didn't know that Rachel was in, like I couldn't know immediately what core Rachel was in kind of says a lot. Um, And I I know in talking to my, my MLFP coach uh, that we, we'd expressed that it's very difficult to get to know each other within the core. You know, we, we know what each other's classroom personas are, yeah. We have, I have no clue who some of my classmates are outside of class. Um, and that, that, I think that's a real bummer. You know, when you're trying to get to know, like we have, like I said, we have such amazing people at this school and trying to get to know them and, and kind of struggling through that a little bit is, is a, is a big challenge. Um, you know, I, I, my core team has talked about trying to just network with other core teams as like a morning coffee meeting kind of thing. Um, but even when we think about beyond the core there, you know, there are some, teams there are some cores that are starting later or some cores that are ending earlier and oh yeah yeah i forgot about that so, there's only like two cores that start at 8 a.m the other one gets bumped yep. yeah so it's, it's one of those things where you know we're trying to make do there but i just think it's been it's been a challenge to get to know people um and i think another kind of big challenge is just zoom fatigue and i'm sure you've experienced that uh but oh yes <laughs> i think you know in the last two days i've probably spent very close to uh, 20 hours just on zoom um, between, you know, starting class at 8am and then going to 2pm. And then, you know, you have this club event and then you have this team event and then you have this other homework event that you got to work on. And then, you know, Oh, it's, here's the the training for so-and-so. And and it's one of those things where it's a, it's a lot of time in front of a screen. And, uh, and I think that's been a challenge too. Um, I like to be somebody who is outside or is, is not necessarily doing, just computer stuff all day long yeah. uh, and, and and that's been a, a struggle for me i think oh yeah i mean as the, as like speaking as the vp of community i realize that that is acknowledged fully that that is a huge struggle for people in terms of like the willingness to actually come out for like various social gatherings because it's like oh i get to spend two more hours on zoom yeah, yeah. great it's like it doesn't matter what if it's zoom or something else it's just two more hours in the screen and a lot of people are just weighing that and like cutting their losses at that point. So yeah. uh, definitely. And I've been, I've been pretty lucky. I mean, within my core team, like my core team has gotten together on like a weekly basis and we're getting COVID tested pretty regularly. And so it's, it's nice to have some sort of face-to-face interaction, mm. but yeah, it's definitely, definitely a challenge. And I, I can't, I, I don't envy your position having to convince people that, uh, that they need to come to this extra zoom event where they're going to really be drinking a beer by themselves, you know, or like in their, at their desk or something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping we can get there. I, we, we got some, we got some really good events coming up that I think will hopefully entice people to sort of branch out and stuff. And like you said, I think uh, matching up core teams is also sort of, uh, I guess, a side initiative. We're hoping to find a way of actually turning into something that uh, will hopefully draw a lot of attention as well. Cause I, like you mentioned, I definitely want people to be able to interact amongst our cores as well as across cores. Since, I mean, you guys are going to be paying for what three classes worth of a network. So uh, I want you guys to be able to take as much advantage of it as possible and not feel like you're, you're missing out just because of your virtual limitations here. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing what you guys put on. Yeah. Um, yeah. With that, I think that's all the questions that I had for you tonight. Um, but before I let you go, just to thank you for uh, joining me on the show and taking the time out of your day, we got two final items here to sort of tie things up. 
the first being it's pretty much your floor now. So uh, as a huge thanks, yeah, you can now get, you can use as much time or as little time, but you kind of keep it around like 60 seconds as your cap there. Uh, but to use however you want to promote anything going on, anything you're interested in, clubs, whatnot. Uh, but uh, tell people what you got. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have too much. Um, but like I said, so I, I would love to get to know as many of our classmates as possible. So if anybody wants to connect, feel free to reach out. You know, I, I have some funny stories, as hopefully you've learned throughout this episode. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to kind of share and, and just kind of shoot the breeze a little bit. So if you want to reach out and, and add me to your network, please do so. I'm more than happy to, uh, to spend some time. Awesome. Yeah, I think you did enough of a self-plug when just, just – I think that was a tip, was that the tip of the iceberg or those domino stories or what? <laughs> so those are the pretty good ones. I have a few more that I think are pretty solid. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but the, the, you know, I might have, yeah, revealed a little too much of my hand because the, 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 the robbery stories are pretty, pretty good. Oh, you should have talked about the second one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, you're fine though. Yeah, that was great. Uh, and then finally, uh, since we close out every episode here with a song, uh, you now get to choose your song of choice. So, uh, my only ask is that you do not play uh, All I Do Is Win by Khalid. That song has been banned. Uh, yeah, I, I saw and I saw that you had acknowledged that in one of the episode descriptions. <laughs> um, so actually, quick kind of talk. Like, I, I struggled to do this because I uh have like I wasn't sure do I pick a crowd pleaser or do I um pick a uh what you call it like a, a song that I a love and and so I what's that a max song yeah and so I, I I ended up going with a crowd pleaser so if anybody wants my personal recommendation uh you can you can just reach out to me as well um but I I really like the song come and go with marshmallow um and it's it's juice world and marshmallow uh you know r.i.p to juice but uh yeah, just great song. Awesome. What what was your uh, what was your max choice? So I, I'm a big. Um, you actually might know this because apparently one of my friends said it's like a big New Jersey thing. But I, I listen to a lot of like post hardcore and like that like emo music from like your middle school years. I like yeah. never got past those phases. You know, like the under oath kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I listen to a, a band called A Day to Remember, um, and they're my favorite band. And so there's a song. Uh, that I absolutely love called Sometimes You're the Hammer, Sometimes You're the Nail. And I was going to pick that, but I thought, you know what, I, we just didn't need to end this podcast, like any yelling or any any sort of like high energy, like like rock music. <laughs> well, fair enough. I just want to make sure that everyone listening got to know uh, what your what your preferred choices were so that if there's any similarities there, you got something to go off of right away. <laughs> cool beans. Cool um, beans. Yeah, well, that, that about wraps it up for the show. Uh, thank you for taking the time to come chat with me today, Max. It's been a, a great pleasure learning about uh, you're just crazy. I don't even know where to start with that, but <laughs> it was a ride for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Pej. It was great being on here. You know, I, I hope more of our classmates are, are submitting their, their backgrounds. And uh, we'll definitely you know, we'll really be getting more of you guys on here very soon. I'm hoping to do one a week, so I got I to gotta start combing through the applications and finding uh, juicy ones like you're that have as crazy stories as you <laughs> that's probably a high bar but anyway that's been it for the show tonight i've been your host fej mcdermott thanks again for joining us today max and to play out tonight we're going to listen to come and go by Marsh marshmallow and juice world so uh thanks for joining everyone and we'll see you next time whoa uh.
I try to be everything that I can But sometimes I come out as being nothing I try to be everything that I can But sometimes I come out as being nothing I pray to God that he make me a better man Maybe one day I'ma stand for something I'm thanking God that he made you part of the plan I guess I ain't go through all that hell for nothing I'm always fucking up and wrecking shit It seems like I perfected it I offer you my love, I hope you take it like some matters Tell me ain't nobody better than me I think that there's better than me Hope you see the better in me Always end up better in me I don't wanna ruin this one This type of love don't always come and go I don't wanna ruin this one This type of love don't always come and go I don't wanna ruin this one Come 